Welcome to the Lewis Jonker Podcast. Lewis is a speaker, storyteller, preacher and poet. Hope you get something out of this talk. Every year when I used to live in Biloela, my nan and my pop would drive from South Australia to Queensland, to Biloela where we lived, and they would do a, a holiday with us, sort of like this yearly holiday. They used to brag about how, they, how many cars they would take over. Apparently, they were speed demons on the road from South Australia to Queensland. And I have fond memories when they would come on holidays of me, my dad, and my pop going red clawing. Now, I want to I explain this to you. We used to wake up super early in the morning to go red clawing, or maybe here you call them yabbies or whatever you want to call them. And I would wake up super early because we'd sort of have to go up before the sun rose. And I remember that my my dad and my pop would make their their cups of instant coffee. And then I would be there, a young child with my cup of Milo. So we'd all be drinking out of our mugs, them two with their blend 43 and me with my lovely warm Milo. And I remember my pop would always wear like a fisherman's beanie. And I remember so desperately that when I went red clawing, I wanted to dress like my pop. So I remember going and and literally buying a beanie, buying a beanie just so that I could dress like my pop as we woke up early to go red clawing. And I remember we'd get out the Calide Dam and it's surrounded by cows and all this sort of stuff. It's, it's sort of like just the local dam of Biloela. And we'd put in the little tinny boat and we'd, and we'd push out and we'd take our pots with us, the red claw pots. I don't know if you've ever seen a red claw pot or maybe you call it a yabby trap. And I would ta- we would take the pots, as many as we could get in the, and we'd put them out into the dam. Now my dad and my pop, they knew all the best spots to put the red claw traps And then, of course, later that day in the evening, we would go back out to the dam as the sun was setting, push the dinghy out again, bring up the pots and uh, get some delicious red claw. I think I've got some photos of the delicious red claw here. My family's going to hate me showing these photos, but here's my pop eating some red claw. Uh, And there's there's our catch in the esky. This is what a red claw looks like. My family's absolutely going to hate me for this photo, but there's another photo of us sitting around the dinner table. Uh, I'm obviously taking this photo. They're not going to like this photo at all. But I have these fond memories of covering the table in newspaper. It was our, and we would load the table with the cooked red claw. I didn't even like eating red claw cold, but they would cover the table with newspaper and the whole family would eat the red claw. It was absolutely amazing. These are such good memories. I have. I loved going red clawing with my dad and my pop. I was blessed to have a good, good father, which is also the title of my message today. Good, good father. I genuinely believe that when we come to God in prayer, we should approach him with the knowledge that he is a good, good father. In fact, in Matthew 6, Jesus teaches us to pray, our father in heaven. Too often we get caught in the tension of knowing that we should pray 
and feeling horrible guilt and shame when we think we don't pray enough. I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but I've certainly felt that way. It's like, I know I should pray and then I feel guilt and shame when I feel like I don't pray enough. But I want to assure you of this. Our religion is not a religion of rules. Our religion is of relationship. Not all religions are like this. Consider the Muslim faith. There are five pillars of Islam. And one of the uh, the pillars is called the Salah. And they say this is a duty of Islam to pray five times a day. And if you don't pray five times a day, you don't cut it. But we as Christians, we don't pray because of duty. We pray because of delight. We don't follow a pillar, we follow a person. And when we pray to him, it is deeply intimate. So today I want to give you some insight on how to approach God with confidence and joy. Not out of obligation or because you know you should. I want to teach you how to approach God like a child approaches a parent. In Matthew 18, we read this, verse 3. Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of a child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus knew that God was his father. In Luke chapter 2, we, we hear the first words of Jesus. You know, Jesus goes, goes missing. His parents take him to, the, you know, to the, the, the festival in the city and he goes missing in the city. In fact, he goes missing for three days and his parents are looking everywhere. And then eventually they go to the temple courts and they see him in the temple courts talking to the teachers and the leaders and they're having philosophical, theological discussions. It says that they're amazed at the questions Jesus was asking them and they were amazed at his answers. Perhaps they were talking about the omnipotence of God or the omnipresence of God or, or perhaps they were talking about how sovereign God is or perhaps they were talking about how mighty and strong God is questioning the universe. And when his parents find him, when, when Mary and Joseph find Jesus in the temple courts, Jesus literally turns to them. And this is the first words that we have recorded of Jesus. And he says, didn't you know I would be in my father's house? The next verse says that they were confused and didn't understand, which doesn't really makes sense to me because Mary and Joseph were told that they were going to have the child of God through divine intervention. But they still didn't understand. And I questioned, why wouldn't they understand? They should have known. And I realized, you know, throughout the whole Old Testament, the Jews rarely thought of God as a father. In the Old Testament, 
God. You, you weren't even allowed to say his name. They don't even say the word God. And if they write the word God in their texts, they write G D because you can't, he's so holy, you cannot say his name. He's cosmic, he's in control, he's omnipresent, omniscient, all knowing. You can't use his name. And in a room full of scholars who understand how cosmic God is, Jesus turns and he says, he's my father. He turns the cosmic close. He makes the divine intimate. Jesus, throughout his ministry, goes on to refer to God as father 54 times. At 12 years old, Jesus knew he was a child of God. And my question is, do you? Do you understand that you are a child of God? Because when you understand that you are a child of God, you can approach him in prayer with confidence and joy. He is a good, good father. Today, I just want to share some thoughts. It's sort of like shotgun thoughts for you this morning about how children view a good, good father. And I want to share some thoughts to help you process the question, do I know that I am a child of God? So how do children know what a good, good father is? Or how do children think of a good, good father? Well, first of all, Children know a good, good father is present. You know, I loved going red clawing with my dad and my pop. I cherish those memories. And I get to cherish these memories because I had a father who was present in my life, who involved me, who, 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 who did things with me, we did activities. And I am so sorry if you didn't. Fathers can be absent for so many reasons, sometimes at no fault of their own or due to a tragic event or due to the fallen nature of our world. In fact, one in seven families are single parent households. And I just want to say, if you are a single uh, parent, I just want to say, thank you are doing a good job. Thank you for what you are doing. But Billy Graham says, he has a famous quote, he says, a good father is one of the most unsung, unpraised, unnoticed, and yet one of the most valuable assets in our society. And children know a good, good father is present. And if you, you didn't have a good, good father, I'm so sorry, but I want to tell you the Bible says that God sets the lonely in families and you have a good, good father in heaven who is always present. Psalm 139 verse 7 to 12 says this, Psalm, you want to find the book of Psalms, which is the prayer book of the Bible. You can find it sort of halfway in the middle if you just open up your Bible halfway. And then you sort of skip all the way through to Psalm 139. You read from verse 7 and it says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed 
in the depths, you are here. He is always present. We serve a heavenly Father who is always present. I'm sorry if you didn't have a Father who was present, but you have a heavenly Father who is. Secondly, children know a good, good Father has the answers. My dad was a Red Claw expert. He really was a genius. You know, we used to, he used to like transform the nets. He would do some crazy things. He put little, you know, we found out that the red claws would, would get into the trap through, you know, the, the entrance. And then we found out that they must have been escaping. And so my dad made cool little trap doors around the entrance so that the red claw would go in but couldn't get back out. He made these cool little trap doors. And, and my dad realised that the red claw, they're, they're nippers, they, they, would, they would cut and break the little bait holder. So instead we would transform it and my dad went to the shops. He always jokes about how people gave him awkward looks, but he would go to the shops and he would buy, you know, stockings or whatever. And then he would cut the stockings into bits and he would put the bait in the stockings and it was like a, it was like a one, one, one use system and that was how we held the bait. And my dad knew the perfect bait. All the other families, they were, you know, using mince meat. They were using poor, poor. They were using, you know, all these ridiculous baits. But my dad knew that the best bait was potato. I remember the ding of the microwave as the potatoes would cook for six minutes and we would use potato as bait. And I tell you what, we caught more red claw than any of the other catches out there. My dad was an absolute export. He knew the spots. We knew that we would catch red claw at the quarry. We knew that we would catch red claw along the damn wall. My dad knew the spots. My dad was a red claw expert. There was one story my sister just shared with me this week about one of the red claw biting her finger when she was very, very young and it got very, very, very infected and she had to take medication. Now, my sister is the, uh, what do you, she's the, uh, you know, the kind of type of person who overreacts to every little thing. And so she was overreacting to the fact that she had to take medicine and my parents are trying to pin her down, get her to take the, you know, the medicine to help her infected finger, and she just wouldn't take it. But my dad had the answer. And she said that he broke the tablet, poured the contents onto a spoon, mixed it with maple syrup, and straight down her gob. Children know a good, good father has the answer. You know, Ephesians 3.20 says that he is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power at work within us. When I was a child, red flooring, I didn't understand all these tricks and stuff that my dad was doing. I couldn't possibly understand, but I was learning. And with your heavenly father, I want to encourage you, when you approach him as a child, don't be afraid to go to God with the thing you don't understand because he does understand. He has a higher perspective. Your heavenly father has the answers you need. Which brings me to my next point. A good, good father teaches us when I was red clawing, I was learning 
I was learning the tips and tricks, you know. You give a man a red claw, he'll eat for a day, but you teach a man to red claw, he'll eat for life. Psalm 143, the prayer book of the Bible, says, teach me to do your will. Psalm 25, teach me your path. Psalm 27, teach me your way. Psalm 119, teach me good discernment and knowledge. Our heavenly Father can teach us, but when we approach him as a child, we have to come with the humility of a learner. Are you willing to humble yourself, become a child, go as a learner so that you can learn from our good, good father? I'm so glad that I got to learn from my dad about red clawing and maybe one day I'll take my kids red clawing and I'll know all the tips and tricks. I'll know the spots and I'll know the perfect bait because a good, good father teaches us. My next thought is that children know a good, good father forgives us. <laughs> I am not good at a lot of things. <laughs> uh, public speaking is one of the things I can do, but I tell you what, I'm not good at too many things. I had many red claw failures. I, remember, I, I, I have distinct memories, you know. You know, sometimes we'd put the red claw pots in from the bank. And so you attach the red claw pot to a, to a rope and, you know, then you take the other end of the rope and you might lodge it underneath a rock or, you know, or something like that so, you know, that doesn't float away. And I have distinct memories of like throwing out red claw pots and I let go of the pot and you see the rope and the rope's just, the rope is flying out and a Lewis a Lewis has forgotten to tie the other end to the shore. And so all of a sudden you see the buoy or you see the little, you know, you see the end of the rope and the end of the rope goes into the water. And so I have distinct memories of certain members of my family having to wade out into the water to retrieve the red claw pot because Lewis made a mistake. The other mistakes are simple, like, you know, when you leave the house early in the morning, you walk out through the roller door and you hear your dad yelling from the car window, shut the roller door. Why can't you ever remember to shut the roller door? And Lewis then goes, oh, yeah, the roller door. Walk back, shut the roller door. Lewis makes a lot of mistakes. But a children know a good, good father forgives us. In 1 John one nine, it says this. 1 John is in the New Testament. It's a very small book. All the small books are incredibly hard to find because they're like one page amongst lots and lots of pages. So if you don't know your, your way around your Bible, don't feel bad because, you know, all of us struggle. But let me find this here. We should play hold uh, we should play hold music while I go on my journey of like reading through my Bible. It's, you know, elevator music. My sister's going to be laughing her head off at this. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins 
and purify us from all unrighteousness. I don't know if you feel like your distance from God because of your past or because of your, your perceived sin or because of the things that you know you're failing at. But children know a good, good father forgives us. When you approach God as a child, you can know he can forgive you for whatever you've done. You can understand his forgiveness. There's so many stories in the Bible of restoration and forgiveness. I encourage you to read the story of the prodigal son. Google it or look it up. It's a brilliant, amazing story. We have a father who forgives us. Because I made a few mistakes while red clawing, my dad didn't say, you can never come red clawing again. No, he would wait out, get the pot, and then the next morning we'd go and do the whole thing again. Because children know a good, good father forgives us. Another thought, children know a good, good father provides. The truth is, I don't know why my dad hasn't set up an automatic answering machine. You know, the BOD, the bank of dad. I feel like I should call my dad's phone number and it should go something along the lines of, press one if you just want to say hi. Press two if you want to check your account balance. Now, I already know the extension, so I go, oh, five, withdraw funds, and then, you know, you pick up the phone, and I feel like my dad should just say, the bank's closed, and hang up. (laughs) I know I can run to my dad because my dad provides. When I went red clawing, I didn't pay for the Milo. (laughs) The Milo tin was just always in the house. Didn't pay for the car that drove us out to the dam. I didn't pay for the tinny, the boat that we used. I didn't pay for the red claw pots. I didn't pay for the for the potatoes. I didn't pay for the rope. I didn't pay for any of it. I didn't pay, but God provides for us just like a good, good father provides for his children. And I also didn't (laughs) pay for the red claw, which we caught. Matthew 28, 20 says, Matthew, first book of the New Testament, Matthew 28, 20. I apologize, I'm going to Matthew 7. Matthew 7, 7 to 12. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds and the one who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, or a red claw, will give him a snake. If you then thought, <laughs> if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? If, our, if earthly fathers know how to give their kids fun times on a red clawing adventure, how much more is our heavenly Father willing to give us. And my last thought, children know a good, 
good father lets us participate, gracious enough to let us participate. My dad let me participate in the red clawing process. Now, the truth is I was young and I was just slowing the whole process down. My dad would do all the hard work, you know, putting the bait in the traps, he would, you know, open and close the traps, he would drive the car, he'd drive the boat, he did all the hard work and my pop as well. And then I get to come along and sit in the boat, you know, we're going to collect the pots again and I get to say, oh, can I pull it in? Can I pull in the pot? My dad did all the hard work and then young Lewis gets to do the exciting part. Can I pull in the pot? (laughs) And so I get to sit in the front of the boat and pull in the pot. Now, I was a young kid and uh, by no means was I quick. So you can just imagine me sitting in the front of the boat, pulling in the pot. My dad and my pop getting bored. It's like, I remember my dad and my pop saying, use two hands to pull it in. You know, they wanted me to pull it in like, and I'm just, you know, slowly pulling in the pot. They're thinking this kid is pulling this pot in so slow, the red claw are probably falling out the back of it. And I'm just, you know, the most exciting part of the job, just smiling, pulling in the pot till you get the pot. It's full of red claw and it's amazing. My dad did all the work, but he let me participate. He set the pot, he set the bat, he he did all the work, but he let me participate. In Matthew 28, we read, you know, the great commission, you know, go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptize people, you know, to spread my message. And after the great commission, it says this beautiful line, and surely I am with you always. You know, sometimes we think we're doing all the work. You know, because I pulled in the red claw pot and I I caught all these red claw, it's like, look how good Lewis is. Look, Look at what I did. I pulled in the pot and I caught all these red claw. But I'm smart enough to know that my dad did all the work. And it's the same as as when we go out and we live our religion, we live our Christian lives. Yeah, great things happen. Yeah, we can change the world for the gospel. Yeah, we can bring people to knowledge of the kingdom. But you know what? God does all the work. He is just gracious enough to let you and I participate. And he's gracious enough to let you and I participate because he is a good, good father. Now I ask, what does this mean for all our generations? For our kids, it means the the children get to participate in the work of God, in their schools, in their lives, in their families. Don't look down on a child. For young adults like me, it's in my generation, it's about like humbling ourselves. It's like, yeah, you know what, I might think I'm all that, but I've got to humble myself because the truth is God does all the work. And for our older generations even, Maybe you're in a generation that feels like God might be done with you because of your age or because you don't know the new technology or because it all seems too difficult. But I want to say this, God is inviting you to participate like a father invites a child. Because in our church, the youngest and the oldest as Christians, we are all children in the eyes of the Father. So I want to encourage you, no matter your generation, our Father 
is gracious enough to let us participate in his good works. I'm thankful for my earthly father, my, my dad. I, uh, I, I, I deeply love my father my, and my mother too. A shout out to all the mothers. And I'm thankful. And I'm also deeply thankful to my heavenly father who I love and I know loves me. But you might be sitting here thinking, I don't even know if I am a child of God. I don't even know if I am a child of God. Well, the Bible in Galatians 3.23 tells us that anyone who believes in Jesus becomes children of God. It's the only prerequisite. Anyone who believes in Jesus becomes a child of God. I hope today that these thoughts might help you approach God as sons and daughters with confidence and joy. Not under obligation, for we don't have to pray. We get to pray. Maybe it's time, no matter what your age, to wake up early, to put on your beanie to make your cup of Milo and spend time with your good, good father.